Um, I don't, I, if you've been here for any amount of time whatsoever, you, you will very rarely will you hear me say this. Um, I, I really don't believe that the enemy wanted me to share this message today. Um, I, I don't, uh, it hasn't been like a major attack. It's just been, you could ask my wife, one thing after another after another since about Friday, just kind of mounting up. And it's irritating me. So I came in irritated this morning. And I, I, I just pray that God turns the irritation into anointing. Because I don't believe, come, let me share this with you. I'm going to get into this. But, but Jesus said in John chapter 16, that I have told you these things that you may have peace. I'm telling you the things that I'm telling you because I want you to have peace despite the circumstance, despite the problem, and despite the pain. And Jesus says the reason I want you to have peace is because in this lifetime, you are going to face powers and principalities of darkness. In this lifetime, you're going to face trials, and you're going, hear me, you're going to face tribulation. See, if you weren't headed in the right direction, the devil would leave you alone. But because you are surrendering to God and doing what God wants you to do and going in the direction that God wants you to go, the enemy has mounted up an attack against you. And Jesus said in that passage, I give you peace even though you have problems. I love what he said at the end of this verse, John 16, for I have overcome the world. Now, hang on a second because we get excited about that part. But I was reading this last week and I thought, you know, Jesus. Jesus hadn't even been to the cross yet. When he said, I've overcome the world, Jesus had not been crucified. The atonement had not been made. He had not sweat blood droplets from his pores in his prayer for the church. He, he, had not, he had not carried the cross. He had not had the crown of thorns placed on his head. He hadn't been nailed to it. He hadn't hung from it. His heart hadn't exploded out of pain and separation from the Father. And yet he said, I have overcome the world. I came to tell you today, even though Jesus had not at that time been resurrected from the grave, he was already walking in what he was about to do. And somebody is about to start walking in what God has for you to do, despite what has or has not already been done. I have. He said, I have. He didn't say, I will. He didn't say, I'm about to. He didn't say, I'm going to. He said, I've already done what I'm about to do. It's already been determined. Now all I got to do is walk in it. All right, I want to preach a message today called Into Gardens. Into Gardens. Write this down, number one. There is a garden inside of you. Now, we spent some time on this message preparing it and planning it. And as we were preparing it, I recalled this passage in Genesis chapter 2. And when I opened up the passage of Genesis chapter 2, I read this in the subtitle of my Bible, it said, the man and the woman in the garden. Now, I know this is a little bit of a play on words from a very popular song, Graves into Gardens, but, but this is really what we felt led to preach as the last message on, a, or the last Sunday, not the last message because we'll have a service on Wednesday night, but the last Sunday in 2021. We have a garden inside of us. 
God, God planted seeds of potential inside of every individual from the very beginning. And he shows us this in Genesis chapter 2. If you'll read this passage along with me, verse 4. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, verse 5. Neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. In other words, it had already been planted. It had already been positioned, but it had not begun to grow. For the Lord God, watch this, had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Now, I'm going to preach because I can't help it, but I want to teach a little bit today. There's two ingredients for productivity in the, in the kingdom of God. In this passage, the two ingredients are water and people. You cannot have kingdom productivity without water and people. But when you get water and you get people, then things begin to produce. Verse 6. Instead of rain coming to the earth and people to cultivate the soil, at that time, springs. I'm going to come back to the word right there in just a minute. You may want to highlight that. Springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Where did the springs come from? The ground. Where did God form the man from the dust of? The ground. So the same thing, hear me, the same thing that God put in the earth, he put in you. And the springs came up, and at that time were sufficient enough to do what God wanted to do until as he breathed life, the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man, the dust, the dirt, the mud, the human, became a living person. In verse 6, the original word for the Hebrew word for springs in that passage is wa'ed. Wa'ed. To translate it perfectly, would, it would be more like a mist. But when I think of a spring, I think of like a Louisiana spring. You know, something strong coming up out of the ground. That's not what this was. It was, it was, a, it was like a mist. And in this garden, I want you to notice there was a spring of potential. I believe God's taken us somewhere. And in order to take us somewhere, see, the church family is only as strong as the individual family, and the individual family is only as strong as the individuals in the family. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord has taken this church somewhere, but in order to take this church somewhere, he's got to take us somewhere. I want you to notice the spring of potential. I'm telling you, the enemy didn't want me to preach this today. The spring of potential that God placed in the earth was placed inside of us just as he formed the earth and he formed us from the dust of the earth. But the difference between us and the earth is the spirit, the breath, the pneuma that God breathed into us. So because there was no rain and because there were no people, nothing was produced. And I believe that over the last couple of years, some of us 
have been satisfied with never moving out of the mist. In fact, I believe not just for this church, I mean like Christianity as a whole. Specifically, Bible Belt Christianity, because we've heard this all of our lives. We grew up in it, right? We know most of the stories, or at least we know people that know most of the stories. And I believe that we have become satisfied, hear me, we have become satisfied with the springs when that's never what God had intended for us. I believe we have become satisfied with simply surviving this thing called life connecting to Jesus as he helps us through, but we very rarely ever actually accomplish anything eternal because we were not created for the mist. We were not created to simply survive, hear me, to simply survive on the springs. We get to this place where we're just satisfied with salvation. You know, well, whew, I mean, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, right? I just, I got to get this over with. I got to get this done. I'm just hanging on till heaven. Now, there are times when, when, when it is that way, right? I get that. But just because something is that way for a time doesn't mean it should be that way all the time. In fact, when it is that way for a time, I believe that that is the time that we need to begin to rise up and reproduce and rehearse what God said we were supposed to reproduce and rehearse. Look, it's a great start. You must be saved. You must be born again. But I don't know at what point our theology became content with salvation and salvation alone. And if you've gone to this church for any amount of time, you've heard me say this, but I want to reiterate it as we bring another year to a close and we prepare and plan for what God has for next year. God did not just save you from sin. Bump your sleepy neighbor, tell him God did not just save you from sin. God saved you for something. He set you free for something. There is something on the inside of you that if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. And Jesus Christ came, having already overcome the world, was allowed to be crucified on a cross and resurrected from the dead so that your sin could be paid for, come on, but your life could be established by the power of the resurrection. See, you didn't stay in the dirt, and Jesus didn't stay in the grave. So we need to move out of the mist. I can't preach this way three times. I got one shot today. We need to move out of the mist and stop being satisfied with the springs. It's a great start. Yes, give your life, surrender your life to God. But what now? Why did he save me? What is my purpose? Verse 8. I love this. Then the Lord God planted a garden. He planted it in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Verse 9. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced, produced, 
they produced delicious fruit. See, hear me. God did not just create you to be faithful. That's part of the process. It's required in order to receive salvation and live out God's will for your life. He didn't, but he didn't create us to just be faithful and survive. Come on. God created us just like he created the earth to be fruitful and thrive. To grow even though, did you know the enemy did not like what God was doing right there in the garden? And God didn't care. <laughs> he says... As the word continues, in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life. I wish I had more time to preach that. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By the way, he, there was only one of those trees he told us not to eat out of. And if you've never heard that lesson, or even if you haven't, it didn't really resonate, you need to sign up for freedom groups coming up in January. Verse 10, we were talking about a spring. But then in verse 10... The word of God says a river flowed what was a spring that was just barely satisfactory has now become a river that flowed from the land of I see in my spirit this morning what used to be a spring on 865 Satig Road what used to just be a place where people would come and receive a little water is beginning to flow like a river that doesn't just strive, that doesn't just survive and doesn't just stay satisfied and stay stuck in one place, but it becomes like a river that begins to pour itself out down south and up north, out east and over west, that everybody in the highways and the byways would begin to be affected by the rivers of individuals that started right here but don't stay right here and what God has will come through us notice the development a spring of potential a river that produced oh God let me be a river we need to move from the mist we were not created to simply be a spring that comes up from the ground. We were created to be a river that plows through the ground. We were created to be a river that nothing, have you ever seen something try to get in the way of a river? It doesn't work out well for what tries to get in the way. And I believe that God no longer wants you and or us because this word was given in the very beginning. So he never intended for us to just be a spring that just waters a couple of things within us or a couple of things around us. But he is ready for the people of God specifically tied to this church to become a well spring, a river of living water that begins to not just flood your soul, but affect other people's soul and I dare in the name of Jesus any power or principality of darkness to try to get in the way of what God has already said he's going to do number two you must become who God created you to be only those who do the will of the father shall inherit the kingdom of God we must 
become who, not what, who God created us to be. There's an old Pentecostal prayer, the spirit-filled charismatic types, you know, the excessively emotional kind. It says, get back Goliath, roll back Red Sea, bow down Jericho wall, I've got somewhere to be. It said, let me say it again and just give it to you this year because I'm telling you, the powers and principles, the enemy is not up for you accomplishing what God has for you. But as I've told you before, for every one devil coming against you, God still has two faithful angels fighting for you. And for one Lucifer, there is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who has already said who he declares that you are. Get back, Galatians. Goliath, roll back Red Sea, bow down Jericho wall. I've got somewhere to be. I can't stay here. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. I can't stay this way. I was on the way to our board meeting in November, and God very rarely does this. He normally makes me work for it. But I began to ask, Lord, what, what do you want to say to the church like what what is this year coming up 2022 god what's a what's a word that you have immediately like i said he normally like makes me miss a meal or two or spend a little more time in prayer i'm just driving down the road on the way to a board meeting praying because i don't know if you've ever been to a board meeting those things require prayer okay so i was on <laughs> I hope most of our board members know that I was only joking for real. Immediately, here's the word, you ready? Immediately, reflection. That's what I did. What does that mean? The question that most people ask is, what do you see when you look in the mirror? But that's not the right question. The question is not, what do you see when you look in the mirror? The question is, who do you see? Do you see you? Or do you see Jesus inside of you? When you look in the mirror and begin to consider yourself, do you consider the things that you desire and you want? Or do you begin to sense the spiritual things that God has for you, your friends, your family, your loved one, your business, your finance, His kingdom? When you look inside, who do you sense is in charge? What you do, says Bishop T.D. Jakes, <laughs> what you do is not who you are. Remember, we're talking about becoming who God created us to be. Way too many of us find our identity in what we do. But what you do is not who you are. For instance, sometimes people will call me a preacher. Hey, preacher, and, and I, that's, that doesn't offend me at all. Any more than Gabriel calls me daddy or my wife calls me babe. <laughs> Some people call me boss, pastor, preacher. There's, there's a lot of different things that I'm called, but at the end of the day, those things are not who I am. 
It may be who I am to them, but it's not who I am to God because preaching is what I do. It's just one thing that I do, but preaching is not who I am. Who I am is a child of God. Who I am is called for a purpose. Who I am is to accomplish what God has already created me to accomplish, but if I'm not careful, hear me, if I'm not careful, I will be limited by what other people call me. People will put a limitation on you by giving you a title. And it may be a title that you've been seeking. But when you get that or when you accomplish that or if you never get to that, then what do you do? You still become who God created you to be. See, at the end of the day, I'm not just a preacher. I'm a kingdom entrepreneur. And people are my currency. I'm not trying to make a lot of money. Come on, I'm trying to make a lot of kingdom. I'm trying to accomplish what God has for, at the end of a lot of days, I'm not just called to preach to a church. I'm called to build a church. And it wasn't very long ago that I was sitting in a conference and I began to pray for this community. God, boost the economy of this community. God, send in laborers. Send in businesses. God, help us to build a church in this community. But boost the community, God, so that it can support what you want to build. And God corrected me in a moment. He said, when do I need a community to build a church? He said, Chris, I want to build a church that supports a community, not a community that supports a church. I am for all lack of a better word, as much of a visionary leader as anybody could be. And if I'm not, then I aspire to be. I'm just not satisfied with looking over in those woods and not doing anything with them. For a hundred years, people saw a gully. My wife sees a school. For a hundred years, we saw land that was tied up that couldn't be released. Now we see a building. For, for, for 20 years, we thought we needed to get to 190 so that we could be seen. And then God said, no, 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 no. If you will build what I want to build right where you are, then people will find you. And ultimately, come on, if they find you, then they'll find me. See, I see a training ground for the next generation that I just can't build enough buildings for. And I believe that stewardship has two ends of the spectrum. If we're not careful, we can make a God out of money by wanting too much of it and always spending too much of it. But on the other end of the spectrum, we can make a God out of money by not stewarding it properly, spending it where we're supposed to, investing it where God says to, and then watching God do more with what we had than we ever knew we had don't let anyone lock you up with a title I believe it was in 2018 I asked Megan I said hey what, what's God saying to you this year because she always asked me what's God saying to you this year so I was ready 2018 I was ready to answer the question and then I said what's he saying to you and she looked up at me and she said, there's more in you for her. The Lord told her, there's more 
in you. I, I believe, I believe in, in the, the covering and the, the anointing of authority. And when I position myself under somebody's authority, then I begin to receive and accomplish and walk in that same anointing. So as my bride has been by position, placed as the authority, the pastor of this house alongside of me, I believe that if there's more in her and there's more in us, then there's more in you. I believe today that you are more than you have been giving yourself credit for. This is not self-help. Come on. This is spiritual confession today. I came to tell somebody you are more than what others think of you. You are more than what others call you. You are more than what you do for a living. You are more than what you've been asking God for. You are more than what you've been crying over. You are more than what you've been carrying. You are more than how much money you make. You are more than how much money you don't make. You are more than the material possessions that other people call successful. And you are more than what you have or what you can afford currently. I told you a few weeks ago, I'll tell you again. You cannot do whatever you put your mind to. But you can do whatever God God created you to do and what God created you to do will be more than you could ever ask think or imagine and if you believe it I want you to take five seconds and give him a high praise as if he is the one that will determine whether it does or does not happen I told you the devil made me mad this week so it's time that we give him a black eye back as the people of God also knew I only had one service that I had to do this in. Bishop Jake says this. It was just helpful for me. Your purpose is in your passion. We've said this. I've heard Pastor Weston say this before multiple times. You can discover your destiny in your design. See, God designed you specifically with dreams and desires. He designed you specifically with giftings and anointings. Like, for instance, I am a horrible administrator. Now, I have to do it. I got to work on my weaknesses and strengthen my strengths. I, you know, I'm going to help you. I'm not even good at hospitality. I don't want to feed you. I want to eat. <laughs> it's not my gift. It's not my gift. My wife is more of a pastor, gifted pastor, than I am. I'm going to confess. Some of you are going to. I don't like praying for people. It stresses me out every time. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm probably not going to. I'm going to forget. So, because you got to work on your weaknesses. So I passed a rule. And my wife helps hold me. My wife is always like, come pray with them. I don't want to. There's five people around them. Nobody's prayed. Okay. 
and I get over there and I'm good at it because I do it a lot, but I just every time I like argue with God. How silly is that? So I passed a rule. When somebody asks me to pray for them, I can't do it. When they say, hey, I need you to pray for me, I can't just pray for you. I have to stop what I'm doing and pray with you. I've done it in the gym. <laughs> I've done it in the middle of Walmart. I've done it in the parking lot. I've done it in the restaurant. You know what those people do? They don't ask you to pray for them anymore. That's it's true. Hey, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Okay, let's pray. Right now? Well, yeah. I'll forget, man. Intercession's like way down here on the giftings. But there are things, and I've already pointed some of them out. That was not me bragging. That was me recognizing where God has gifted me. It is me recognizing what stirs me, what I'm passionate about. I love leading leaders. I love pouring into other people. I love to watch other people go further than me and accomplish more than me. Your purpose is in your passion. I remember at 15 years old, I was sitting in First Baptist Church, Minden, and this guy came in on this big bus. May have just been a small hitch pull, but it, it looked cool. I, I just remember it. It had a bunch of designs on it. And he got out, and he was staying outside in the parking lot. And he came in to First Baptist Church, Minden. And I, and I don't remember anything that he said. I just remember watching him walk across, back and forth across that stage. And I remember what the Spirit of God was doing in me every time that he began to speak. And at 15 years old, I sensed, that's what I want to do. I, like, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's what I was passionate about. But it was about a 25-year process before God gave me this microphone. And it was about a 25-year process that God had to hone me and humble me. That I had to be faithful in other areas. Okay? But, but before, I had to be faithful in other areas before I became fruitful in the anointing that is in the area that he actually had for me. Number three, I'm closing because my throat hurts. Number three, and this is not in your notes. You'll have to write it down yourself. We must learn. If you don't dedicate to anything else for the last week of this year and the first 21 days of next year, then dedicate to this. We must learn what God says about us. You must learn. I was driving in the same spot. There is something spiritual about Perchville Road. I'm just telling you. I would have never guessed it before, but I have been twice now in the same spot over the last month and heard the Lord speak to me. I was driving on the way to work from Patasa, which is not a real place, which is weird to me. Like, it is, but it's not. And I don't know. I'm still learning. Also, just side note, um, dressing. When I say dressing, I think like cornbread dressing, okay? 
So if you say a chicken is stuffed with dressing, I'm thinking like cornbread, dressing, and stuffing. I'm not, y'all say everything is rice, right? There's no cornbread in anything. So I'm cutting this chicken open. There's rice everywhere. What the rice is? I got dressing. Oh, my gosh, the Cajuns have ruined it again. Rice dress. All right, I'm sorry. Back. I just turned on... I like to listen to things that inspire me because I need a lot of inspiration. I, I like to be, I like to motivate myself. I, I, don't, I don't feed a lot on Sundays. I, I give a lot on Sundays. So in order for us to stay full, we have to feed ourselves more often, which is, by the way, just spiritual maturity. But I'll preach on that another day. I, I turned on my phone, and right there, uh, it said, Dr. Miles Monroe, change your mindset. If you've never listened to it, I, I highly recommend it. It's about nine minutes. And in another podcast, I was listening to him tell his story. And, and this is not a political agenda. This is his story. Hang in here with me. As a young boy, he went to school. He had nothing but a paper sack. He didn't have a backpack. He had a book and a paper sack. That was his backpack. And he sat in class that day. And there was a Caucasian man from Scotland that apparently got annoyed with that classroom in the Bahamas, I believe is where he's from. And that man from Scotland began to talk down to those children. He began to call them very inappropriate names, which I will not repeat. And he, he even went as far as to tell them that they would never be anything more than uneducated and ignorant. And, and Miles Monroe, at, at, at 50 years old, is sharing the story like it happened yesterday. He said, I went home. <laughs> and he told his mother what took place. And she said, boy, you take this book. And she grabbed her big family Bible. She said, you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And you read that verse until you can come out of that room and tell me what it says. And he went into the room and he opened up the book to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And he began to read, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more. And that 13-year-old boy who was poor and had nothing but a dirt floor to sleep on and a plastic bag to carry his books in began to believe what the Word of God had said. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more. And he walked out of that room with tears in his eyes but a smile on his face and he said mama to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could even ask think or imagine to him be the glory he said something happened between sleeping on the dirt floor and flying all over the world to share the gospel and what happened was at the age of 13 he read this book cover to cover and it was in the King James, and he didn't understand a word of it. He's picking with my friend. <laughs> so at 14, he did it again. He said, I began to understand a little bit more. And at 15, he did it again, and I began to understand a little bit more. And at 16, he did it again. And what he read at 13 that didn't make any sense, at 16 
began to be the spiritual fulfillment that would create the man that we now know today as Dr. Miles Monroe. He asked the Lord, God, why? Why are there so many people that have so many things in so many other places, and yet we have nothing, and we are so poor? And according to his testimony, the Lord said back to him, because you believe that you're poor. Because you don't believe in me and what I said about you. You have bought into a lie. And Dr. Miles Monroe said, until you change your mind, it doesn't matter what else you change. You can change your job. You can change your house. You can change your spouse. You can change your friends. You can change your city. But until you repent, metanoia, and you change your mind, it does not matter what else you change. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life with no purpose. On this last Sunday, I ask, is your life as short as the next bill that you pay? Is your life as short as the next opportunity to go on vacation? Is your life as short as the next project? Or have you allowed and are you allowing the Spirit of God to stir in you His passion and purpose for your life? Because when you discover your purpose, you will maximize your potential. You were born for a purpose. As we read in Genesis chapter 2, you were equipped with potential. And you, specifically you, this is not a self-help message today. This is kingdom cultivation. I don't even know where it's going, but I know where it's go I know it's going somewhere. And until we begin to see from God's perspective, we will never produce from God's perspective. Dr. Monroe asked, and I close with this, Lord, what is the wealthiest spot? Where is the wealthiest place on planet Earth? Is it the gold mines? The diamond mines? Silver? Is it, is it the oil fields? of Iran and Iraq. What is the wealthiest place on, face, on the face of the earth? And I close with this. He said the wealthiest place on the face of the earth are the graveyards. The most unmet potential in this community lies across the street. The richest place the most fertile place in all the world is the unshared treasures of unshared truths. Desires and passions that people had in them. Songs that were never recorded. Books that were never written. Finances that were never given. Dreams that were never declared, come on, visions that were never shared, ministries that were never developed, mission trips that were never taken. Right there across the street. And I challenge you with this today, more than a catchy song, that we should go and we should begin to believe God that we can go from graves into gardens. 
that we can actually cultivate and that Jesus Christ, the living water, can run through us and to us and for somebody else that they can begin to see what God has for them because we have seen what God has for us. So I close with this today. Make sure that you die empty. As the Apostle Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing if I do not complete the assignment that God has given me. I pour myself out like a drink offering because that is why God placed me on this earth. Let's make it practical. Make sure that you close this year committed to emptying yourself for the sake of the kingdom of God. Proverbs 27, 19, as in the water, the face reflects the face. So the heart of a man reflects the man. One of the last things that Miss Debbie Guillory shared with us in our staff meeting a few weeks ago before she officially came every week to staff meeting, even though I called her the very next day after her retirement to ask her a question. She said, the Lord has just laid this on my heart, and I believe it's for us this morning. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. This is a promise from God. I believe for 2022, just because you're here or just because you heard it. You, this is the Lord, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I tell you these things so that you may have peace. For in this life you may have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. Father, Right now, I pray that you would stir within us the gifts of God. I pray that there would be an open heaven on this room and in any place that anybody is listening to this message right now. Lord, may we no longer be satisfied with the springs. But God, may we begin to desire and long to become a flowing river that nothing can stand in the way of on behalf of your kingdom. Not for selfish gain, come on, but for your glory, God. We want to become who you created us to be. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask this morning that you would help us to realize the garden inside of every one of us. God, I pray that you would help us to move from the mist today. And help us to become who you created us to be. But God, may we commit right now to learning who you say we are. Come on, if you're in the room today and you want to become the son or the daughter that God created you to be, the first thing that you have to do is confess him as Lord. The first thing you have to do is surrender your life to him. But then as you do that, there's a longing inside of you, a hunger that can only be filled with worship, prayer, and the Word of God. 
And so if you've done that before, I want to ask you to commit for the last week of 2021 and the first 21 days of 2022 to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to worship God in what you listen to and what you watch, to develop a prayer life that you don't currently have, and to dig into God's Word in a way that you never have before so that you don't just abide, come on, but you begin to adore the presence of the living God. And right now, before we go today, if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you want to begin to learn who he says you are and receive his salvation because you haven't been living for him, I want to invite you to open your hands in your lap right where you are right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. God, would you breathe? Numa, spirit, life into the dirt bodies of this room. Breathe, God, and help us to receive the life that you have for us. Come on, church, I want to invite you to pray this out loud so that anybody that needs to pray this prayer would have the confidence to say it with us and know that they are not alone. Let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short, where I've been satisfied with less than what you have. I believe you gave your life so I could live. You paid for my sin on Calvary's cross. You shed your blood so I could be covered, but you were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new in Christ Jesus. May I follow you with all of my heart. Fix my eyes on you, O Lord, and accomplish your will as long as I live. I surrender all right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?